Welcome to the post-E3 episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name's Alon. And my name's Ara. And so if you don't know, because it's the first time you've listened, we do the show every week. You can find a new episode every Tuesday night. Just go to chatterboxgameshow.com. That's our website. Or, of course, iTunes. And, you know, during the week, you can also go to, uh, to All Games. You can stream our show at, what is it, I think it's 6 p.m. Pacific. They, uh, they play it. You just go to the website, allgames.com, and it'll start playing. And get in a little chat room and chat with people. Good times. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to chat with you guys, letting you know what happened at E3. So much. So how, much did, how much did you hear about? While you were not at E3. Right. You, you know what? You know what's funny is um, I am a new person to Twitter. And I don't follow a lot of people. But all the people I do follow on Twitter, um, like, not only went to E3, but they're, they're like press who go to E3. And a lot of people were upset. Upset that there was nothing interesting? Um, they were more upset than that because, um, it wasn't just that, at least for them, that it wasn't anything interesting, but particularly the press conferences, except for Nintendo's, they seemed to all focus on super hyper ultra violence that, uh, at least was not very appreciated by the, uh, the press guys I know. I don't know that that's true at all. They, they were really upset about that. There were a lot of tweets going around about a lot of them saying like you know a lot of people expressing that they felt like either they were out of touch or the companies were out of touch and that uh it was just uh they just it was just completely inappropriate they just felt like you know like there's an excessive focus on more and more violent things for and it wasn't like you know we're not talking about like artistic violence it was just blood and violence for no reason maybe it's because it's the end of a console cycle and people are trying to do just very realistic stuff and so they end up using humanoid characters to do that well maybe very Uh, violent another another guess that i've heard was that people just people think that the companies they're just they feel like everybody's the you know 17 year old teenage boy and I mean, I can certainly counter that by talking about all the things that happened that were not at all violent, right? I mean, to be honest, I mean, I don't remember yesterday, never mind last week, but I went to four of what I I believe there were five big press conferences. So I went to the Sony, Nintendo, Microsoft, and uh, and Ubisoft conferences. Yeah, Sony being the worst defender of all these, by the way. Not at all. Uh, But two, two of the four conferences involved big musical acts for either Just Dance or Dance Central, like big ones that took a long time and were certainly a major part of that that company's showing, right? Um, Usher was showing off for Microsoft, and I was fascinated by this. I think we talked about it in last week's episode. Uh, Eric might have been talking about this, or maybe we were just talking about it off the, sh- off the air. I don't know. But um, Usher came out and did a whole song, and it was, you know, he has a dance associated with his song and that's the dance that's in dance central three and while he was dancing on stage with a bunch of backup dancers the game and the the dance that is the same right in the game was played on giant projectors is behind this, him. is this the ubisoft one or is this no harmonics? ubisoft had flow rida for oh, for just dance okay but microsoft had usher for dance central three so anyway Which is the harmonics one exactly yeah okay. the one for connect so his dance was so perfectly choreographed with the game that both Eric and I were commenting to ourselves that it was just it was amazing. The fact that they could just pull that off in terms of putting on a show. Well, there's there's a reason why he gets the big bucks. I mean, yeah. he's no slouch, I'm sure, with well, the dancing. What's funny about him is I don't know if you know anything about Usher. I only know the very limited amount that I've seen in I know less like than VH1 you. or something. But uh, apparently he was not at all a dancer. Like he was just a big nerd. And then somehow he got a music deal. And they decided he needed to dance, so he learned how to dance reluctantly, and now he's known as some dance guy. But anyway, so he's dancing, and his dancers are dancing with him, and it's like perfectly synchronized to the screen. I would expect the moves to be the same, right. but it was the timing was so perfect that it was it was really a feat. I was impressed. They did well. But anyway, I mean, that's several minutes straight of very loud, pumping music, not at all violent. Now there was Halo Four and how much does that know, guy Splinter make? Cell? I have no idea. But certainly there's a lot of violent stuff, but there's also a lot of things that weren't. And in, in Sony's case that you said was the worst, 
they sent a ridiculously large amount of time, like an annoyingly large amount of time, talking about their stupid wonder book, which we did not talk about last week, by the way, where like you have some book that presumably you buy. It's got a few pages on it that are printed uh, with some sort of code so that when the iToy looks at it, it knows what page it's on, right? So you can flip the book and, and have this virtual book on the screen. Um, okay, wait. How is this iToy involved? And I'm well, somehow so reticent to even ask questions. Yeah, I didn't do a good job of describing it. All right. So imagine you buy a big plastic book with white pages and some QR codes on it. It's not actually QR codes, but just for the sake of okay, argument. Okay, so it's not a real, it's a fake book. It is, it is a large physical book, but it doesn't have words or pictures on it. It just has... Again, for the sake of argument, QR codes. Okay. And then the iToy looks at this. It sees both you and the, and the book. And you open the book to the, to the camera. It sees the QR code. And it knows that you're playing the Harry Potter book. And so when it sees the code that is associated with page one, it's going right. to show you page one on the screen. So you have this whole like book with all, all the So what, you got to like, turn the book around and show it to the like, camera? It'll read to you and stuff. It'll read to me. You don't turn it around. It's like the camera's faced at you, and you just lay the, the book down on the ground, and the camera's pointed down at that. But you sort of you end up seeing like your crotch or something if you're sitting on the floor, right in front of the book. Right. So anyway, as you turn the pages, it turns the pages on the screen. But on the screen, you're seeing all this virtual crap, right? Okay. Like the picture of the book, and it has this animated thing, and you can like you can signal at the game, hold your your wand, which is the a move controller, right? And you can make gestures and you know, at the screen and then conduct some sort of magical enchantment or something that does something to the book. Like you have to perform, you know, maybe swing it in a circle in order to destroy, go through a locked door or something. Does, I, does this excite you? No, not at all. But it also is not violent, right? It was annoying because they did it for so damn long. They made a big deal of it. And it's probably a big license thing. I can't imagine it will do well, but watch it sell like freaking hotcakes because it's got a Harry Potter name on it. Because they actually have a Harry Potter license. Um, anyway, not at all violent. And they showed all sorts of stuff. Okay. I don't well, like I all, said, I wasn't there. And, and maybe it wasn't the Ubisoft proportion of things. Maybe it was more you know, the audience's reaction to things. I'm, I'm pretty sure that Ubisoft showed off only games that were with human characters that probably all used the same engine. That all... I was talking about this before, too, with the guys. Like, it's... All of Ubisoft's games, with the exception of Rayman, and they shut off a lot of Rayman Legends. Oh, and Just Dance, right? But all of their games are basically a bunch of people walking in a crowd, trying to be kind of stealthy, but sometimes also beating the crap out of each other. And it's just different ways of showing off the same graphics engine. And so I'm, I'm just getting bugged by how much Ubisoft's games are all exactly the same as one another. Hmm. But anyway, well, they're certainly important. leveraging their technology, yeah. that's for sure. Not so important. But any, anyway, so the, the press conferences, in general, were not very exciting. I don't think anyone was expecting them to be exciting. I am certainly very, very excited about the Nintendo Wii U. We have talked about that several times. Yeah. But their press, their press conference was underwhelming at best. Uh, they're like, hey, new Mario game. But you guys tell us you just want the same old, same old Mario. So we're going to give you new Super Mario Brothers Wii U. And, by the way, if you have a 3DS, new Super Mario Brothers 2. So, yeah. I was wondering what they were going to call the next one. Yeah. Anyway, not not terribly excited about the press conferences themselves. But, again, the Wii U, very excited about. And later I will tell you about the game I'm most excited about from the show, which you will totally not guess in advance. But I'm going to save that for a bit later because I think it falls in line with something else we're talking about. All right. Um, well, something else happened at E3 that I think we should share with uh, everybody listening. Is it the story about me almost dying? No. Do you want to hear that or do you want to tell yours? I'd rather tell my story. Okay, go. I mean, I'm glad you're alive and everything, but... Well, the game that I'm working on was at E3. Yes. And, and it was shown off at the Nintendo press conference. Yes, for apparently two seconds, A brief. To I, I may be exaggerating. It may have been four seconds, but it was guaranteed not longer than okay. five six, seconds. Six is pushing it too far, Six huh? is absolutely pushing it. Okay. Well, I'm like, I saw a character jump. Far. And that was about it. Yeah. It showed well, no features of the actual interesting part of the game. Well, that's too bad. But the cool thing was that it was up there. And it is, um, it's Epic Mickey for the 3DS. 
but the name of it is officially Power of Illusion. Am I yes. right? Or is it yes. is it Epic Mickey Power of Illusion? Epic Mickey Power of Illusion. And some a lot of press are calling it Epic Mickey Two Power of Illusion. And no, it's Epic Mickey Power of Illusion. Okay, and we and are the, correct. We have it straight from the source and, here. And yes, so you will see that mistake. Um, the game is totally different from Epic Mickey in terms of it being it, it is a standalone game. It's not um, like part of Epic Mickey 2 specifically. It's got its own story. It's got its own play style. It's a 2D game. But if it's, not if it's titled game. Epic Mickey Power of Illusion, it, does it exist in the same story world? Well, yes. I mean, it has to exist in the same canon of Epic Mickey because it's an Epic Mickey product. Yeah. But it's not the same storyline. Um, we actually, you know, if, if you can tell from the subtitle, it's a spiritual sequel to Castle of Illusion, a game that we've loved all of us who are making the game we've loved for years and years. It's an old Genesis game. Yeah, I mean, and we're also very, very happy to see that there's a lot of fans that also share that same sentiment. You even brought that game up one time when we were talking about games with just excellent sound. Yeah, yeah. There uh, you go. Before you were ever working on this game, right? Long time ago. Um, so before you were, you were and during, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so you were a fan of this stuff and, long before. And before I could tell anybody, I was. Exactly. Um, so, so it won a bunch of awards, which is super duper cool at E3 and... I mean, awards are awards, but um, yeah. yeah. So as as usual, I think we can't really ever discuss details of the game or its development on the show. But right. I am happy that you're finally willing to to tell the listeners that like you're working on an actual game that they may actually play and they may actually enjoy. It's like, true, and it may actually do really, yeah. really well. Yeah. Just in the past, like we didn't even know until you were done, right? We couldn't talk about it at all. This one, there's a little bit more freedom, so I like that. Right. Well, right now that it's been announced, I can say that I'm working on it. Yeah, and I can't say anything else. So, there can we talk about like the size of the team and the importance of your? Oh, can't talk no, about can't any even. Of that. Nope, not even. Okay, well, that takes us into break. Indeed, we'll be right back. After which point, I will tell you about how I almost died in LA. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And you're listening to Chatterbox. Video Game Radio, we're back once again where you can hear Alon tell you harrowing tales of near death. Uh, but before I do that, we have a sponsor, the University of Advancing Technology. Their website is uat.edu, and they teach you how to make games. Was that, was that accurate? Is, it, is this going to be a harrowing tale? Um, technically, no. No? It's not. Uh, so I w- I'll try to keep it short, although it's going to be very difficult for people to visualize through words. Uh, I'm kind of, you haven't even told me this yet. No, I haven't. This is going to be new to me too. So I'm going to preface this by pointing out that I lead a life of extreme care, right? Like I'm willing to do fun stuff. Like the guy on Jackass? Not you. (sighs) Not me at all. No, what I I mean by that is a lot of people are klutzy. They'll walk around and trip over things or they won't know where their arm is going and knock over a a soda on the table or something. You're aware of your physical boundaries at all times. I'm that guy who if he's in the band, he can pull the drum behind him and not hit anything, right? Speaking of a very large drum. Anyway, I know where all my appendages are. I know what's happening in my surroundings. I don't get caught off guard. If you try to trip me, I probably won't trip. Of course, now you're all going to try to trip me when you see me. But uh, basically, I don't screw up like that. And I had a ridiculous lack of observation screw up without any drinking at all that almost led to serious injury, if not death. So you weren't fooling around. 
were you? Wasn't messing around. You weren't like, I'm going to do a stunt. Nope. Wasn't climbing out of a tree or anything. So you, here it goes. You were just being your normal, highly careful self. Always highly careful. But, I mean, I, I was messing around a little bit. Here, I'll explain. Right? To, in an effort to not take an entire segment. All right. Picture a building with an escalator uh, that goes up and then, you know, stops. You have to get on another bit of the escalator to continue going up and then stops. And you have to go up another one. Right? So it's going back and forth, back and forth up this building. Okay. Uh, that means some of the escalator is against the wall and some of it is in the center of this building column where you're going up and up and up. I see where this is going. Already. Okay. So if you are going up, but not directly against the wall and your friends are on the escalator below you, yeah. which is against the wall laterally, and you lean over the escalator yeah. to look at them, yeah. you think to yourself, oh, I'm going to be very careful. I'm going to hold on to the black handle thing as it goes up so sure. that I do not fall over the escalator onto my friends below. So Meanwhile, making some funny face at them, making them chuckle or something. Okay. Even if they don't look at look up at all and realize that you're even there, which is what happened to me. So I'm leaning over the edge, being very careful, as I always am. Okay, how much of your body is over the edge at this point? Uh, you know, ribs and up. Okay. Looking so are, are you doing like a 90 well, degree bend? I would bend? say rib, ribs and up above the handlebar, but then only about my neck and up is, is actually over the escalator portion so that they could see. Maybe shoulders. Okay. So the, the, how much is less important? So I'm looking over and I'm trying to make some face or at least looking them and get them to realize I'm there, not doing anything very special. Uh, <clears throat> but I'm being careful not to, not to uh, go over the edge. And then they don't see me. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to give up. We're just going to keep going up the escalator. So... I pull my body back, and as I do, I turn a little bit to the left, which is upwards, right. and I see at that exact moment, if I had waited even like a microsecond longer, my head would have been squished by the ceiling in between the escalator and the ceiling that was being created by the new floor that I was, I was then accessing. So you can imagine an escalator as an angle, a ceiling is straight, it eventually comes to a pinch point, my head was over the edge, and I, I had no observation at all that a ceiling was coming. And about to chop my friggin' head off. <laughs> so uh, that was scary. And I walked around for the next like hour, like having to relive it. I was like, I'm going to go back up that escalator. I'm going to figure out what would have happened if I did get caught in there. And like we took pictures to reenact really? it. You, you didn't have like an exhilarating like feeling of power. Like now you can do anything. And like- no, I had an exhilarating uh, feeling of lack of power. Like I came really close to dying because of stupidity on my part. Because I wasn't being observant enough. I see. Um, well, usually it's either one or the other when you almost die. Like, I will do stupid things. Like, this weekend I went and did, like, a ropes course up 50 feet up in trees and stuff. And, I mean, you're, you're careful. You're on a harness and whatever. Sometimes I unclipped completely, and that was really unsafe and accidental. But, anyway, I don't uh, mind doing stuff. And you're putting yourself in a position like that. Something happens. Okay. It's kind of expected. But walking up an escalator, don't expect to die there. And uh, that was frustrating to me. That almost happened. Well, since it didn't, um, congratulations. Yeah. So that's that's my life in L.A. Also, by the way, we started off in L.A. by uh, running out of gas five minutes from the hotel and having my Prius pushed by some local cop guy who then, I, like, he would push the car and then he would get in front of it and turn his lights on so we could go through the red light and then we'd get back in the back of the car and push it some more and then get back in front and then back. I'm surprised. Yeah. How did you come to run out of gas? Did you did you believe that since it was a Prius, no, there that, was no chance that you would ever run out of gas? Apparently a Prius is the most common car to run out of gas <laughs> because people just push it to the limits. Like you. I have run out of gas more than once before. You know what? Last time I was in your car, I do recall thinking, he's remarkably low on gas i have run out of gas more than once in my pre-i and never ever before in any other vehicle in my life yeah and i've driven a lot more not in a prius than in one all right well that's uh, fascinating but yeah my you'll recall that i got a new model prius recently not the newest but newer than my original right uh, a few months ago in november or something and this new one come to find out gives you the old add fuel warning Far closer to the point that you actually need to add fuel than the previous one, where I could have. Like so they're making it hard. They're just making it harder for you. No, actually, doing. it's more realistic because the other one I just didn't pay attention because it was so BS that I would just keep going on and on and on, like a hundred miles, which is a lot. Uh, and this one, it's a lot more realistic. So that, that like under it, does it say that like we're serious yeah. this time? But but here's the thing: like I I always do the math with like how many miles per gallon you've gotten and how many. M- gallons i actually filled up so i can tell when i'm getting close and i was like yeah. it only just said to add fuel but i know i'm close you know you know you shouldn't ever let your tank go under a quarter 
You know you shouldn't do yeah, that. So I do that every time. It's bad for your car. Just, but how do I know so what a quarter know. is? My car lies to me. It tells me I'm on full for half my tank. Well, you should. You're smart. You can figure that. Yeah. Out. Anyway, so that's my life. It was really fun in in L.A. All right. Well, uh, why don't we talk about a couple video games? Yeah, we could do that. So um, this guy I know, this is a buddy of mine. Um, he actually. Um, I don't know if he cares if I say this, but I'll, I will anyway. He actually works for Double Fine. Okay. Do you know that? You didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know you had a buddy working at Double Fine, but I did see uh, Tim Schafer at the Nintendo conference. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's and the guy I was with, like, oh, I want to take a picture. No, no, it wasn't a guy I was with. It was a guy in the row in front of me that we were you know, chatting with a little bit. Yeah. But he pointed his camera at Tim. The fanboy and, moment. Yeah, and Tim just gave him some sort of like weird moment to take the shot, but yeah. making a weird face, and yeah. he didn't get the shot off. That's, that's Tim. Yeah. I don't know Tim. But I can imagine him doing that. Okay. All right. So anyway, uh, this guy's name is Patrick Hackett, and uh, he made an Android game slash this also. I don't know if he wants anybody to know this, but I will say it anyway, slash social experiment. And we haven't played the game because neither of us have Androids, but we'll tell you a couple things. About I certainly it. have access to Android. Do you? Did I you mean, play people, it? People with Android. Yeah. Well, maybe. Even- Maybe you can try and play it, and then we can have a second report later on. Why don't you remind me what the title of this game is? It's called There's Boobs! Exclamation mark at the end. That's uh, poor grammar, but very exciting. Well, I mean, if if it's going to be a word like boobs, (laughs) you're going to want to put an exclamation mark at the end. I hope the O's in boobs also have special, uh, you know, print... Well, interesting, interestingly, like, the whole game is kind of, like, low-res, but the word boobs is in, like, super high-res, <laughs> for whatever that's worth. But I'm a, little, I'm a little disappointed, I have to say, in this premise. Because, you see, Alon, there was a point in time in my life, and, and maybe you share the same feelings, where just the thought of boobs in general was exciting. Still is. But not all boobs created equal that's true and my standards used to be very low and i've actually realized as of late that my standards have become very very high <laughs> yes and just welcome the, to adulthood just the promise of sheer boobs without knowing what these boobs look like would not be a sufficient motivation for me to do anything so what's the social experiment part of this game well we don't know but we can guess can't we uh just to see if people actually get it based on a title um i i mean my guess is that he's doing an experiment to see how many people will play the game or try to get to the end just to see the boobs is it some sort of endless game um interesting proposition or is it like that that bus driving game where it's super easy but takes 24 hours or something. Well, I mean, I, I never thought of that. Maybe maybe he's doing a fast one on everybody and we just ruined the whole surprise that the game never ends. Or maybe there are boobs at the end and it does end. And maybe it's totally worth it. I think it would be incredibly rude of him to not put them at the end of the game. Well, it would. It would be like, I mean, I guess if like... Daniel Tosh ever made a game like that would be the kind of game he would make. I yeah probably. Well, but, actually, uh, Tosh's game would probably just have boobs at the beginning, the middle, and the end. Well, at all times in between. The reason why I say that is because he's he's just he's so want to screw with the audience. Yes, and I will never actually and watch any of his material ever again because because <laughs> he messed with you. Because he because he because I mean like he's just so like I mean if you're gonna fuck with me like that like you're not worth my time. He's a very funny man. Not anymore. Okay. Not to me. But anyway, I digress. Um, there's boobs at the end. If you want to find out, uh, you can surely you know search for it on Google and download it. I, I'm pretty sure it's free. Uh, I don't remember. It's a free download. But it's on Google Play. It's right? on Google Play. Store. And if you search for there's boobs at the end on Google anything, I'm sure you'll find it. Yeah. So um, if you do happen to... Give it a try. Uh, you can report back to us and tell, tell us what you thought. You can also report back to him and ask him if he's going to put this game as a secret unlockable in, in any of the next Double Fine games. And I would wager that would be highly unlikely, but um, whatever. He could spend the next Weir- month rewriting things, it. Weirder things have happened, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Okay, well. Right. How, much, how much more time do we have? Uh, just a few seconds before the, before the break. Just a few seconds. Did I, have I told you I stopped playing Skyrim forever? 
Uh, you mentioned it off the air. Yeah, I'm never going to play Skyrim again. And I, I hate to say this, but it's because I finished almost every quest. Don't they just add more quests with DLC? I'm not going to buy the DLC. It's This is ridiculous. I've gotten... It was just such a waste of time. Well, it's good that you called it quits. Speaking of yeah. quits, we'll be right back. promised we would be back and we are we've got two more segments of the show uh don't forget we have a website by the way it's chatterboxgameshow.com apparently sometimes i forget what it's called but it's understandable. Uh, chatterboxgameshow.com i actually updated it today for the first time in a very long time so it has information like our phone number uh if you want to call us and leave a voicemail it's 4804 game 21 that's right, and if you can't spell, that's uh, 442-6321. Yep. That's right on the website, so feel free to take a look and leave us a voicemail. And uh, people have been doing that, apparently. We have, and in, in fact, um, much to my surprise, um, we have discovered the boundaries of Google's um, voicemail service. I, I have a feeling they weren't hidden, but but yeah, someone tried to leave, a me- leave us a message that was too long. Yeah, it was, uh, it was Kent Dog, and um, we'll, we'll talk about him in, in a little bit. But, I believe um, he's a longtime listener, by the way. Yeah. it Kent was uh, Doggy Dog, in fact. So thank you for your um, multi-part, excessively long message. Um, that was actually, it was a really good uh, topic that you brought up that we'll, we'll bring up in a little bit. Um, but it's three minutes is the limit, okay? So we will favor, and we very much encourage conciseness yeah by the way you leave a three-minute message it's not getting on the air also if you (laughs) use you use a crappy bluetooth uh thing with your phone so that we can't actually hear you you're also not getting on the air (laughs) but you know say lovey but Um, but we might talk about you exactly so we we got another one that we actually do want to play so uh due to the way things are rigged up with our audio i'm going to take a second here and uh and here it is Hey guys, uh, this is uh, Dave um, from Chaos. You guys were talking about uh, video games that were um, fulfilling in terms of uh, being graphically and, and audibly beautiful, as well as uh, having gameplay that that uh, that works alongside with it uh, as an equal. And uh, the game that pops into my head right away is Castlevania: Lords of Shadow which I honestly think this game didn't get its due. Um, but if you sit down and you play it, um, it's, uh, from the execution of the controls are very, very nice. The storyline keeps you in, but most importantly, it's a gorgeous game. And if you put on a pair of headphones, the sound on it is tops. Five stars from me. So uh, you ask my opinion? Castlevania, Lords of Shadow. So there you have it. Our first first uh, on air. I guess it's not our first. This is the first one we're playing. Yeah. Well, right. if there's anything that I can say about that Castlevania game, it is pretty. Yeah. I, he seems to be describing a totally different game than the rest of the world played. Well, no. I mean, it's some people do like that game. I just hadn't met anyone. And by the way, I played the sequel. I met one person who did like that game. Wait, there's a sequel of it already? Uh, well, no, but it was at it was at E3. Oh boy! And it's on the 3DS. Uh, right, weird switch. What? Yeah, yeah. So Castlevania game. That's see the funny thing about this that that product though is that it was never it was not it's not a Castlevania game. In fact, it was never initially developed to be a Castlevania game. It was just a game that they had developed. A certain amount, and then Konami, you know, I don't know the exact order of events, I'm kind of surmising here, must have bought the rights to it and said, oh, look, 
this would be much better if it was the next Castlevania game. And so they made it so. I mean, the final boss in the game, it's like Satan or something. Or uh, the devil or something like that. I mean, that that doesn't fall too far out of Castlevania, does it? Uh, yeah, it does. It does? Yeah, you don't, you don't fight Satan or the devil. Come on. Okay, well. You fight I mean, Dracula. That happens a lot in the game industry and... It does, and actually, this this isn't this uh, man. This this incenses me quite a bit. It it doesn't affect the game, though. I mean, it doesn't. But the thing is, like, look, they just did this with Ridge Racer Unbounded, okay? And the game has nothing to do with Ridge Racer. I can't understand. It's it's developed by a completely different developer. It has. It's like it's more like Burnout than it is like Ridge Racer. It's about destroying the environment. And smashing into things, and nothing is like Ridge Racer except for the title. And I can't even imagine why marketing would want to do that because they're they're destroying the name. It's like everybody who knew what Ridge Racer meant is going to be disappointed and or surprised, and people who've never heard of it aren't going to care one way or the other. It's like it only does some kind of service to people who've kind of vaguely heard of the name but have no expectations of Ridge Racer one way or the but other. But if it's a good game... Yeah, but it wasn't good. as garbage well, either. there's that. But, but even if it's good, what's the point of using a title that has such heritage if you're going to do, as they call it, a complete reboot? You know, I wonder if it's because video game companies, and not all of them, but the ones that do this, yeah. probably are, are living check to check, so to speak. Well, right? I, th- I think that's one reason why. Because, one, they don't care. And, two, they... They're just trying relentlessly to do anything they can to make money because it's so cutthroat. Yeah, when you when you're just trying to stay afloat because you you may or may not be in the black that year. Yeah. you're very short term. Well, that, this is long-term. this is like basically how the game industry works. Yeah. It seems. not all of them though. Like Valve, I think does not do that. They've hedged their bets with Steam and all that. Yeah. But and then also Valve consistently <laughs> makes money almost every time. Yeah, so well, they they do good work. Um, yeah. So that's. Oh well, let's let's get back to this this message though. So, we did ask people to to submit their ideas for games that are basically like all around beautiful games. Yes, and, and may I mention one other letter that we did receive from um, the guy who goes by Labyrus. Um, his 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 choice was Outland, which, which I've played, which is good. I think it's a good choice too. It looks real good, plays real good, very elegant overall. I don't recall the music being outstanding, but I don't. Res- Recall it being bad. I just don't recall it right. at all. And neither do I recall it yeah. one way or the but other. But I did play it quite a bit and thought to myself, you know what? I need to keep playing this. And for whatever reason, I didn't. But, uh, but yeah, I would totally go back to that game. It's, um, yeah. it's not bad. It's not bad. So Lord of Shadow, though, Shadow is whatever it is. By the way, 3DS game. It so, is. That, that game, well, I mean, like the, the original one, that game is certainly squarely within the if you want to call it, triple A mass market space. In other words, there's a lot of different variety of things to do. The graphics are super good. They hold your hand throughout the whole game. It is very, very like, it, instead of having like a, like a singular consistent uh, system of game mechanics, it, you know, they, they, they give you like a bunch of different activities to do. There's a lot of like singular scripted situations. It's very story heavy. You know, th- these are all things that I think are characteristic of like the the so-called, you know, triple A game that comes out. Yeah, but not necessarily good things. Well, I don't think they're good things, but yeah. you know, because it's so mass market, lots of people do because it's for them. So yeah. well, for whatever. Anyway, that's worth. I I have not played it, but I've only heard horrible things about it. I'm glad this guy likes it. I mean, I imagine it fits in like the God of War style. You, you know what? It's definitely like I would also categorize God of War in the exact same way. Yeah, that sounded like that's what you were describing. So, but let me talk about the 3DS game for a second and only for a second. I didn't play it for terribly long. I played it while waiting yeah. to play a Wii U game. So hold on, I, I gotta know is is this like Japanese developed or is this like developed oh, by like Mercury Steam? How or the hell would I know? Some girl walks up to this you with is, a 3DS is, literally attached to her hip. This is the this is the question of the hour, my friend. This well, is what you gotta. You know are gonna have to look that up because I don't right, know. Fair enough, but um. It played very differently than other Castlevania games, right? Because it's uh, normally in a Castlevania game that's two-dimensional. And yeah. this used 3D well, graphics well, was in a two-dimensional it two, Was setting. it a 2D game? Well, you say it changes stuff up a lot in, in the uh, 
the original title. Yeah. This one, I mean, I only played one part of it, so I don't know if it changes things. But the part that I played was completely 2D with 3D graphics, right? The gameplay was 2D. But mm-hmm. in traditional Castlevania games, you would say, you know, slash your whip. Right. And the whip, it did this really strange mechanic how it would, like, fly out in front of Simon or whoever the whipper was. Yeah. And it would just sort of stop at the end and then fall to the ground. It was a very strange whip mechanic, not realistic. This mm-hmm. one's more of, like, a swinging motion, like a, like a God of War swim, swinging his chain things. Okay. Um, and you can follow it up with combos, right? So you, you slash several times and it keeps slashing. Oh, of course you and can. And you can jump in the air and slash many times in the air because it stops you from falling when you, when you slash. Okay. And then you can air dash or you can... Uh, roll dash while you're on the ground. Yeah, walk on walls, um, levitate, well, go anywhere you want at not all that times. Part. But, um, you know, so it's definitely, like, more action-oriented than a traditional Castlevania game, which, fine, like, I'm okay with that. It's actually interesting, although I didn't think it played particularly well. It didn't actually do a good job of it. Yeah. But in theory, I'm not opposed to that. And unfortunately, this the game portion that I played was just, like, you walk forward a little bit, and then you're introduced to an enemy. Okay, then you fight him. And then you walk forward some more. And you're introduced to a big enemy, and you just chop him up a little bit. And yeah, it was a little like you could hold a skeleton, maybe throw him or something. I don't. I don't okay, know. whatever. But uh, it didn't seem like a Castlevania game very much, except the fact that it had a whip. The way you're describing it, I'm not really very thrilled. But yeah, I will be looking again, it up. I mean, I only played a small portion. Who knows what the the rest of the game is like? But, sure, sure. But I'm not going to give it. It's only a demo at E3, yeah. so who knows? I'm not going to give it good marks. But I do want to talk about the games that I played yeah. at Nintendo. We're not going to we're not going to evaluate. Un- incomplete games as final games like all the other press do and then dispense awards of the game of the year <laughs> based on a demo or anything like yeah. that. I actually would not be opposed to doing that. However... <laughs> well, a lot, a lot of people <laughs> agree with you. Um, so let, let's talk about the Nintendo games. Uh, yeah, Nintendo Land specifically. So for those who don't know, you will recall the Wii had Wii Sports. I heard a few things about the Nintendo Land, but I'll let you go first. Okay. So... So Wii Sports is the game that came bundled with the Wii, and it basically introduced you to the various things that you can do with a Wii remote um, because it was very new to people. So the, the Wii U pad, which is what they call the, you know, the controller for the Wii U, which is essentially a tablet with a controller stuck on it, right. um, it's the same idea. They want to introduce you to all these different things that you can do with it, which is great. They totally should. And so they announced Nintendo Land, although they have not announced it as a pack-in with the game which is surprising to me, but maybe it will be, maybe it won't. I think they just haven't decided yet. And my guess at this point is that it will not be. But anyway, um, it packs in a bunch of different games. And one of them that was actually kind of fun, actually two of them are kind of similar, uh, was based in Luigi's Mansion, where it's kind of like Pac-Man. You've got four players that are using the Wii Remote looking at the television screen, uh-huh. and they cannot see the ghost, but they have a flashlight. And when they turn on their flashlight, if the ghost happens to be in front of their flashlight, then obviously he'll become visible. And if you are the ghost, you're looking at the Wii U pad, and you can see everybody, and you want to grab them when they don't see you, right? So you come up behind them, and you grab them, and then he falls to the ground, and someone else can come save you by shining the flashlight on you. So so it's kind of like reverse Pac-Man, where it's four players against the one, or that one against work. all four. Could be good. Kind of fun. I, I want to talk more about the other games, uh, but we're going to break. Be right back. Are you going to find a Master of Science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu.
And we are back. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. And you're also visiting UAT.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology. Because you're doing this all while using a computer or a handheld device. Cause, okay. Because you love it so much. So, in, uh, in hopefully a minute and a half, I can cover all the Nintendo Land games. Um, okay. So, I talked about the Luigi's Mansion one where you're going after a ghost. There's another one which is like four against one where one person uses a Wii pad and control. This is uh, Animal Crossing, by the way. And, well, Animal Crossing themed. So, you've got these four players walking around and they're trying to collect these like candies that they shake from a tree. Okay. Well, they don't shake from them, but they get them by standing on a platform. And so you've got these four characters that go around collecting these things, which as they co- the more they collect, the slower they walk. And the Wii U pad user controls two different characters, kind of like the game Cookies and Cream. I don't know if you've played that or remembered it. Totally. So the left analog controls one of the characters. The right analog stick controls the other character, and you're just looking at them both at the same time. Also okay. like Schizoid uh, in Xbox Live. Right. So um, that... The two characters go after the four other characters trying to just hit them, right? And if you get them, like, three times, then the team loses. So it's, it's another, like, team versus one, just like the, the one with Luigi's Mansion, except it's the, the activity is a little bit different, but it's same in, similar in concept. Right. Now, one of the best ones was Donkey Kong something country. I, I don't know what it was actually, but it was somehow Donkey Kong related. And it was this, like, super zoomed out map. There was a cart there's no way I'm going to be able to explain this on the radio. That's what I'm realizing right now. <laughs> but it was friggin' awesome. Um, Maybe that's all we need to so say. So on the that. television screen, you see a super zoomed out version of basically this thing that they could have easily provided a track editor. And so it's very physics-based. You've got this little... What like, is it? Is it a track? You see a track? N- not a track. It's like... Picture Donkey Kong Country. Not, I'm sorry, Donkey Kong Jr., like the original Donkey Kong Jr. Okay. How there's a bunch of like little platforms and vines and all that stuff. All this right. doesn't have vines, but you have a little car where like there's, there's two wheels and there's the head of your uh, me character on this, this little like triangular cart. I think your initial assessment is proving to be quite accurate. <laughs> yeah, I can't describe it. Basically, you have a cart and you control the cart by holding the Wii U pad in the air and angling it, right? So you, you tilt it to the right and your cart will go to the right. You tilt it to the left, your cart will go to the left. And it's very physics-based in that the two wheels that are the base of the cart can like fall over an edge and if the, if the right wheel falls over the edge but the left one doesn't, then your whole cart will like tip. And if your head, your me head ever hits any of the, the world, it explodes and you lose you have to start over again um and on the wii u pad you see a zoomed in version which tilts with the controller obviously and on the screen you you see the consistently zoomed out version so you can see what's coming like what you're gonna have to do are you gonna have to slow down or speed up you have to see a youtube video that's actually that sounds like without me being able to understand actually what you're describing the little bit that i did glean with the idea of having like a zoomed out view in the main screen and a close zoomed in view of the same action on your, your screen that is in your hands, that to me sounds really compelling. Yeah. And there's some other ways that you interact with the level as well, but it's it's a lot of fun. I had one friend who thought it was really bad and other who thought it was amazing. Well, so. what's your overall assessment about these um, the, the whole Nintendo Land things? Because what I've heard is that actually I've heard just people being disappointed. Well, those people are morons. Uh, it's great. I'm so excited about Nintendo Wii Land, and I'm excited about Rayman Legends, which we haven't even talked about, which is not the original one that I... I, last or two weeks ago when we talked about it, right. uh, I thought it was this, the new game with a few things. It's a total. It's the sequel to Rayman Origins. It's yeah, Rayman Legends. I've seen it. Um, so that does some really cool Wii U land or Wii U stuff. Uh, I was not terribly excited about New Super Mario Brothers Wii U. I mean, it's a Mario game, and Mario games are fun, but it's not like the new Mario game that we all want. It's just another New Super Mario Brothers. So, right. Anyway, not terribly excited about that. Um, one thing that nobody's ever talked about is Panorama View, and which is may not be an official name, but they were showing it off at the show as a, just a technology thing. They had full motion video that you're watching on the on the TV, um, or I guess is being copied onto the TV, right? But on your Wii U pad, I've always talked about how you use it as a virtual window, or you can, so like you can turn around and see stuff behind you in games. This was full motion video with that, so it's kind of like full motion video Google Street View. And okay. that was crazy to me. So I'm just like, I don't think anyone's going to buy any videos that do this, 
but they'll probably have some downloadable stuff through whatever network Nintendo has set up. Sounds like it would be pretty uh, expensive to produce. Uh, it would be, yeah. So it's just like, you know, what looks almost like stock footage. One of them they had was like ducks flying with a dude in that little duck copter or plane thing. And, but the point is, imagine 10 years down the road when someone's actually producing this and streaming it live like during a football game. And you're in the middle of the football game. They have all the cameras running so you can just rotate it and see any view you want or something. Technology-wise, I was super impressed by it. Gameplay-wise, there, there is no game, but it was just cool. Right. Um, and they could do that with an iPad just as easily as a Wii U pad, but it's just... Or with again. pornography. Oh, my God. Somehow that never even hit me. <laughs> how did you not... How was that not the first I thing? I have no that? idea, but oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, yes. I mean, come on. You should know by now that pornography is the forerunner of all visualization No, it absolutely technology. is, but it's because I'm thinking about looking around a room, so an orgy scene would be the only valuable one in this case. Not necessarily. Well, because you can't move the position of the camera. You can only move the angle from which you're viewing and oh. from, a, from a single point. Well, they'll, they'll think of something. But they could, they could sure surely do multiple cameras you press a button and you switch to the other one at which yeah. point you rotate but yeah. there could be a lot of mirrors yeah. anyway creative the wii u has huge potential i'm super excited about it a bunch of people think it's lame i don't care about them it's going to be awesome and i'm it's the first system in the history of systems that i've considered purchasing in that advance you're, that you're excited about no not that i'm excited about but that i actually think i'm going to buy several games on day one well assuming these games come out like i'm excited about wii u land i'm excited about Oh, by the way, the Zelda game in Nintendo Land was crappy. It's the worst mm. of them all. It's on tracks. Just maybe maybe that's the one everybody plays. It's just to teach you how to, how to shoot things. But well, your enthusiasm and passion for this is certainly unbridled. It's, it's good. And unbounded. Uh, not really. But, uh, but yeah. There's, there's also a game from the people who made... Uh, what's that Capcom game where you're like the little superhero, but you're not a superhero? No idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Anyway... Anyway, Project P100 or something it also looks like it's very interesting. Okay. I got a few things that we got to cover. We are going to run along this segment because I also yeah. have to talk about another game that's, afterwards. That's fine. Okay. But, uh, yeah, this stuff's real important, too. So um, so our friend Kent Dog, right, we referred to him earlier. And so as promised, um, he gave us a re- very nice, very long, and um, difficult-to-hear uh, message. But we thank you uh, for that uh, voicemail message. And uh, there's a couple points that he hit on. That I wanted to discuss, right? And basically, in a nutshell, what he was asking us about was, okay, you know, he was playing this game that was like a stealth game. And, you know, you know the usual thing in the stealth games, like, oh, you try not to get seen by somebody. And if you get seen, it's bad. And if you don't, then it's good. And so you hide in the shadow or something. And so he found – he was, like, hiding in the shadow. And, like, he saw, like, a guard that, like, walked past him real close. And he was very scared. He was very scared because he was like, oh, he felt like he was on the verge of getting caught. But then he got re- he realized that like well wait a minute because he didn't get caught right and so he realized hey wait a minute there's actually no way for me to know how close I was to actually getting caught and so he wondered to himself and he was asking us well was this real or not and like is that actually considered part of the game if it's not real right in other words if there's no chance of him getting caught and all this was just made up in his head that he was getting excited about, is that considered like actually part of the game or is that like external to the game? Yeah, and to, to clarify, when we say if there was no chance of him getting caught, we mean like was it programmed such that the guard would not see him even if he stood right in front of him? Right. Or was it programmed to be you know very sensitive and he was just lucky that he was in just the right spot? Right. Now, this is really interesting because I have a couple of things of, con- of comparison that I want to tell you guys about. So the funny thing is, is that this kind of stuff where you think something is happening, irrespective of, 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 of Kent Dog's actual situation. This happens all the time in games where you think something is happening and it's actually not happening the way you think it does. And especially in games like, like, like FPSs, for example, I will, I will actually, you know, I, I've been told by uh, some developers of FPSs that, for example, they will demo a game, right? And... In the game, of, of in this demo, sorry, I had some throat problems going on. All right, so in this demo of this game, they, things will happen in a way that it seems as if the opponents that you are shooting or fighting with are actually working in concert, right? And in fact, in a lot of cases, the developer or the PR person will say, or the representative of the company who's showing off the product will say, yes, that's what they're doing, 
they're working in concert, right? Or they're reacting to something that you did specifically and they're smart. Where in reality, none of that stuff's going on. It's just pure flipping coincidence. Yeah. A lot of stuff happens in games that's also just faked. They want to give the impression right. that... I mean, you're you're talking about someone just pretending. A human being pretending that a game is doing something it's not. Right, but the but, thing is, if you inspect it, and if you're watching it, you think that it is. But it's just a coincidence that things are happening that way. And the, your opponents, they're, not, they're actually not, like, running for cover when you throw a grenade, for example. Uh, well, I mean, in some cases, right. But, but uh, the example I'm talking about, that wasn't happening. It was yeah. just a coincidence. But there's also times when developers will uh, use tricks to make you think something is going on that is much more advanced than what is really, right. really and, happening. And, and, and the funny thing about that is that it's, it's because of us players. It's all in your head that you th- you're making connections that don't actually exist because just your brain is a pattern-matching device that makes connections and sees, you know, the Virgin Mary in cheese and clouds when isn't there. And yeah. that this is the same sort of thing. The, we were just talking about the Wii U. Uh, the Wii is the, the perfect example of this phenomenon, right? Because, you think so? Oh, absolutely. How's that? Because it puts you in a situation where it wants you to think that your motion, uh, like it says, oh, you did good, you did great, you did perfect, right? And it is very, very loosely based on what's going on. And uh, well, this is like right with like with the, with the bowling, right? It's like you can just flick, right? Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and until you figure out you can just flick, you've got people, you know, pretending to throw bowling balls for real, right? Um, and maybe they think you have to, and then you realize you don't have to, and you might still throw it like a real bowling ball, right? Knowing that you don't have to, but you're no longer you no longer have this like veil of mystery of how does it work. Um, yeah. So I wasn't clear on exactly what he was asking if that's like legit or not, but it's certainly common. I think and it happens all the time. I think he was looking for like definition of game. Like, is it is it part of the game or is it the game for me to feel this way if it wasn't really going to happen? It was very hard to understand exactly what he was asking. You're right, but um, it's. I think it's hard to say. I mean, if it's happening to you, then it is part of the game that you are playing. Uh, whether the designer or the developer of the game intended it to be played that way or intended for you to be in that emotional state is a whole other story. Yeah. I, I would tend to, th- I, I, no one can place strict parameters on this on what is game and what isn't and what did they intend to put in the game and what did they not intend to do. It's always going to be great to some extent, but I would like to say that the things the developer intended are usually the parts that I would consider the, the game, so to speak. Yeah. Well, the now, thing is like, like, you're never going to know what the developer truly intended. Yeah. And Until also, you talk to them and ask them and they tell the truth. And even then, you'll come up with some sort of metagame element and they're like, no, I didn't intend it, but it's great. Yeah. yeah. Right? And, and so that's good too, but, but I still... But I if, they, if, they, if, they, I mean, if the game had that consequence, had that result, and if they didn't intend it in the beginning, but they noticed, they, the developer, that that's what it did, and them being aware of that and putting the game out like that, I would say that that is just the same as them saying, yeah, we intended it to be that way. Yeah. Now, another question he asked at the end was, do you ever make up rules within a game to to basically extend it, which is like I was saying with metagame. And I have a really good example of this, but I have a feeling that you have a really good example of this too. Well, he gave his own example of like speed runs, right? So people make a game out of just beating Mario as fast as you can or any game, right? right? And I do have an example that I'm, it's going to lead into the last thing I want to talk about on the show, but, uh, but you go first. All right. Well, it's funny that he brought that up um, because I, I find that the only way I can play Gran Turismo 5 is by doing this, is by adding artificial rules to my experience because the game is so open that if you don't, it's trivial. There's no gameplay in there. because Is that why I find it really boring? Yes, because no matter what you do, right, if you, if you exploit – and it's, I wouldn't even consider it an exploit – if you utilize – all the devices available to you to progress in that game, all you can do is you just get cars, you get money, and then you soup up your cars to let you win. And it's so easy to get money, and it's so easy to soup up your car and to custom, not even customize it, just to make it go faster, that you can do that and never ever learn to actually drive anything ever. And you can almost finish the whole game this way. Now, you know, you won't be able to do license tests by playing that way, right? But what I found is that, like, I will 
I've actually created quite a complicated structure of rules around this. So what I do, and I think this is pretty interesting. What I do is um, any event, you know, they, they dispense these new like seasonal events every so often, right? And there's always some kind of restriction, right? There's like 500 performance point limit. Like performance point is some kind of random metric that every car has that says how fast it goes, right? So you, so any event that you race, it'll say, okay, like 500 PP performance points. You can't have a car that has more than that, okay? The thing is, if you get a car with 500 PP, it's pretty easy. So it's trivial. So that's not interesting. So what I do is, first of all, I don't soup up any of the cars at all because that's not interesting to me. So I only buy and play cars stock, okay? Maybe I'll change the setup a little bit, but I won't buy any new parts. I won't make the car go faster than it was supposed to go. Um, I don't even mess around with, you know, like the gearing. And so every car is a different car for me. And so that in this way, the other thing I do is that I try and play first with the slowest car available to me to a certain extent, right? So if it's a 500 PP race, you know what? I'm going to start with a 400 PP car. And I try and win with that. And if I can't win like five times, then I go to the next car, next faster car that I have instead of souping up my current car, right? Because now I get to play a different car with different handling characteristics, which is more interesting to me. And I'll just do that and I'll just go up in stages until I can win. But I try and as hard as I can to win with the slowest car available to me. And this makes for a fascinating game for me. What is amazing to me is how much you can enjoy the same experience over and over. But that's the thing. It is not the same experience. Well, it it's what I, what I perceive as totally the same and boring. Right. But well, we are very different people. Well, the differentness comes in your execution of the performance, you see. Yeah, you love cars so much. It's, it's not just the loving cars, dude. It's the loving driving. And, and the fact yeah. that... It's it's it is truly different every time because you can't do it perfectly and because it's so hard to practice and you know what I'm not even going to get into the GT Academy stuff this week I'll save it for next week okay but it, it is the end of GT Academy soon GT Academy ends in like eleven days so it's actually going to still be going by next week okay good so we will talk about it next week yeah. so the thing I want to leave you guys with is uh, a game that does have you making up your own rules. Uh, to play it and it is my number one take from e3 this year no one else is going to agree with me but there are some times like in 1998 when i go to e3 and come back with this one game that i'm super excited to go home and play like uh when i say 1998 that's when i discovered dance since revolution and it Uh. literally changed my life and i know people will laugh at that but it really did it it completely changed things for me and gave me many years of meeting people and doing you know things that I wouldn't have done. I don't. Like, I don't think it's laugh worthy at all. Actually, was, I think that that's uh, it, was, it was a very compelling, yeah. revolutionary game. And I, I think I've said on the show before that I got a scholarship out of that thing, like building a controller and whatever. So it was good. It was good for me. Anyway, point is, the game I walked away from E3 this year, not as big a deal as DDR, but still, it like it caught me, and I said, "Oh my god, that game is awesome!" And I can't wait to get it. So. Mr. Indie Developer, because it was as at IndieCade, or a person who represents the indie developer since he wasn't there at the time. How can I get this? And I'm like, well, he hasn't made it available. The game is not. You can't get it right now. But uh, What's the game? I will tell you in a second. But this game, which I think is super awesome, um, will hopefully be available one day. He's looking into how to get it released. So, so be on the lookout for it. The game is called Johann Sebastian Joust. I've heard of this. You have. Yes, I have. It is my new favorite game. Maybe not favorite overall, but favorite for right now. Um, here is the game. And, and the, uh, the developer, incidentally, is all about like making games where the rules are like not so clear or you make them up or it's just it's not like it's not like clear cut rigid where you know, yeah. most video games are. He's like going to school for psychology or something. I don't I don't really know. It's good stuff. Might not be psychology, but it's not it's good stuff. You know, he's not some AAA developer by uh, by trade. So anyway, this game is not a video game at all, but it uses uh a video game device. So you have 2 to 7 players, preferably 7, uh all holding a Sony PlayStation Move controller. Right. And they hear from speakers that are nearby. Uh, Bach playing from some particular 
set of Bach music. Johann Sebastian. Yes, Johann Sebastian Bach. And so it's all like, all right, go. The, the game has some voice that tells you to go. And when, when you go, um, the whole point of the game is to, well, not lose, but you lose by having your move controller shake some, some very small amount. Like it can't shake much at all. And, and you'll be out. So since you're holding this controller and everyone's holding a controller, you basically want to reach over to other people with your free hand and tap their controller. And then they're out. So it's kind of like a game of tag, but a game of tag where you have to move really slowly. Um, so any fast movement will make you out? Is that the idea? Yeah, because so like if I move my right hand and my left hand is holding it, I'm fine. Right. But if I accidentally like walk towards the person too quickly in order to get to them, right. then obviously my left hand moves with me. So this is, this is interesting shakes. because you're forced to move slowly, yeah. but you also need to move quickly. But you also want to make everybody else move more rapidly than you without you moving too rapidly yourself. Yeah. And so, like, I can push you on the shoulder, on the opposite shoulder of the one that you're holding the controller in, and your right. whole body will shake and you might still lose. Right. Or you might go after me and get me out, but because you moved too much while getting me out, you also got out. So someone else who wasn't right. even touching us is in and they win. So where does this music come in? Uh, so the music will, I believe, randomly change uh tempo okay um and so when it's going faster you can move faster like the sensitivity of the controller is dulled gotcha. so you have a little bit more freedom to move and then it'll slow down to even slower than normal where you've got to be even more careful and you just have to and guess about the carefulness level or the well slowness. yeah you, i mean it's all analog you don't know really how fast you can go but right but there, it, there's a notable difference and also it gives you um if you get close to the threshold, right. it, it vibrates and blinks a little bit, so you know that you got close. Okay, so you're getting a warning, at least. Yeah, exactly. But when the game starts, it's such such a high sensitivity that it's pretty easy to, to surpass. <laughs> you know, you don't yeah. just get a free warning. You Only if you go past the warning threshold, but not past the total threshold of, of being out. Right. So anyway, this is a group game that's a lot of fun because it's a totally different experience than we're used to. Right. Um, so if you can I'm, kick... Without moving, absolutely the left side of your body. Yeah, or you can. Then like, you're a winner. You're in the living room and you pick up a pillow, a throw pillow, and throw the throw pillow at somebody. Got them out, right? Yeah. There's no rules, and but that's even, the whole point. But you got to throw without. Yeah, you got to be careful. You got to throw now, careful. I would make the rule that you have to hold the controller, but one guy did slowly lower the controller to the ground, leave it on the ground, and then just run after everyone <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> and then there was me i was holding the controller at my crotch when it was just me against the one girl left over and i was like what what is this cheating <laughs> and so that's good nicely done sir <laughs> right uh i'm super excited about this game but but it gets better right this this whole thing was just a perfect set of coincidence the game is not available you cannot buy this game it's right. not uh you know he's said in a blog or something that he's working with sony to make it available right. but um there was no he didn't say that they had thought it's a good idea or that they are talking back with him, just that he was trying to talk to them. Well, I, I think it's an incredible idea and yeah. it's an incredible execution as well. The, yeah. the the shame is that, you know, it's actually not a video game. It is just using video game parts. And so hopefully that won't be held against it, you know, but I'm, I have a feeling that it might. I think it's great. But here's the thing. It gets better, right? So Eric who I've mentioned a couple times this episode, he uh, he works on Golgatron stuff, our sister site. Right. And he was at the show, and he also buys lots of games and uh, gives to Kickstarter a lot, Kickstarter projects. And I mentioned Johann Sebastian Justin, and he's like, no, dude, I, I think I have that. I think I got it with a Kickstarter. I was like, no, it's not available. Of course you don't have it. And he's like, no, I do. Look. And he pulls up the email, and it's like, here's your pre-alpha copy of Johann Sebastian Joust. Well, there you go. And... I mean, the game is so simple that the alpha copy is probably the exact same thing I was playing at the show, having a ton of fun with. Sure. And uh, so it's not, you know, it's not the PS3 version. It's right. a computer version. And by the way, it only runs on Mac, probably because that's what Doug Wilson, the creator, owns, is my guess. And guess what? I've been waiting months and months for Apple to announce the new Mac so I could buy one. They announced them this week. So the E3 comes up. I find out that a friend of mine actually has the game. And... Uh, 
that it's required you required to use a Mac and I happen to be buying a Mac at exactly this time right now. So like the world is coming together to bring me this game. And although it, it actually doesn't work right in the current version of Mac OS X, uh, you got to do a whole bunch of crap to get the Bluetooth pairing with the controllers to work, but you can do it. Um, and I'm, super I'm, excited. I'm assured that you will find a way to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. It, at very least I could dual boot to a slightly older version of Mac OS X just for this game. And I totally would. Um, so, I'm really excited. I just have to buy a lot more PlayStation Move controllers. If any listener has a PlayStation Move controller that they want to sell me for twenty bucks, uh, do that because they're normally fifty bucks, and that is stupid. That's pricey. Yeah, Amazon That's... sells them for thirty-five. I've been trying to get it on Craigslist, yeah, and get people to sell them cheaper. Yeah, but... used, used is the way to go. Yeah. Anyway, like I said, I'm very excited about this. I got a big party at my house next month. I think you'll be there. I don't remember if you yeah. RSVP'd or whatever, but I I hope to have it ready. For that seven people running around with playstation move controllers or slowly moving around i haven't actually awesome. played it i've only read about it but um okay now you're getting me excited. yeah go go to jsjoust.com because um, johan spelled right. with a j right. jsjoust.com and you can find videos and info about the game and whatever getting your hands on a copy of the game different story because it's not officially released but luckily eric has a copy and uh that's awesome so i send him emails or whatever send the the developer emails and tell him you want it so that eventually he releases it you know one thing that happened is someone made a copy of it basically for ios yeah. and then they complained to apple and they got it pulled down from the store otherwise it would have been all over that <laughs> yeah nice try so thanks for listening everyone we'll be back uh, next week where i get to tell you about other stuff from e3 and other things that have been happening and gt academy and gt academy good night guys. we'll be back You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.